the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see you bite. Let me see your scar. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg. I'm joined by Gaby Lucas, and today we have a special guest for the entire episode. Former Husky football player, current coach of Highline High School, is Deontay Cooper. Deontay, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate um, you guys having me today. I'm looking forward to talking about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, we're going to start out with the present day and kind of work our way back. Uh, talk a little bit about Highline High School, the Pirates. I see this is a audio medium, so nobody else can see it, but you are wearing, repping the Pirate uh, hoodie right now as we're talking. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks good. It's a very throwback logo. It looks like a Pittsburgh Pirates logo or Tampa Bay Bucks from like the late 70s or something. Very cool. Um, so congratulations, first of all, very belatedly on uh, the Pirates winning the first King County 2A title in 2021 since 1953 is that right since like the eisenhower administration uh, (laughs) undefeated in the division how did that happen was it just like all the coaching that turned it around how did you guys go undefeated in the division this year win the championship you know um you know first it's i've I've heard a lot of different dates thrown at me 1950s to 1940 (laughs) it's hard to keep track of you know just kind of where it's been over the years but um in all seriousness you know just kind of just coming in with a vision. I know, you know, when I when I when I sought out, you know, coaching and, and trying to lead a program, I wanted a program where I can go in and kind of just, you know, give it some consistency, give it a spark, give it some energy. Um, and Highline was just a great fit, right? Just kind of looking at, you know, where they've been historically, academically, and you know, athletically. If I just, you know, if I got some of my buddies who were, you know, primetime college players and who had, you know, good energy, young, and could pour into the kids and just be consistent. Um, we would have success. I know we took some lumps um, and bruises early, you know, just from the number standpoint um, and from just, you know, not necessarily having guys that were, you know, wanting to be football players. We had to, you know, travel the hallways and, and turn soccer players into football players, turn baseball players into football players, try and get swimmers out and all these different things. Um, and then, you know, you start creating momentum, they start seeing your face and you, you develop a room program and kids start to buy in. And we got, you know, we we're fortunate enough to have, uh, you know, some great past Huskies, Sione Patatoa, Anthony Berg, um, Ralph Kenny, Trevor Walker, all these guys participating, just kind of helping out the program, Morgan Russellboro, and just being guys that we can count on and, and be consistent and be guys they can look up to as well. Um, I got all the other great staff members that help too. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we did. We wanted to be consistent. Wanted to, when I wanted to bring in role models, guys that they could look up to. And then also guys that, you know, love kids and, and love, you know, coaching football and love being around it. So that's that's what helped us and, you know, have early success that we're having right now. I, I love that about just the mental image of you going through the hallway and being like, hey, you, you're six, five, want to be a tight end? <laughs> you backstroke. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, I mean, and that that I love that because that seems like straight out of like a Disney movie almost. But I mean, you were you, you know, played under three different coaching staffs with like Sark and Pete and then San Jose State what what did you take away from from those guys that kind of allowed you to to that you've brought in as and in this role 
Yeah. You know, Gabby, to go back to what you're saying, though, it's funny. Um, there's like a TikTok or a slash like video, Instagram video that's surfacing about a coach. He walks the hallways and he sees this guy that's 6'6 six, six, and he stops and says, what grade are you in? And he's trying to get you out on the football team. But, um, you know, my kids send me that all the time. But just from those three coaches, when you think about Sark, you think about Coach Chris Peterson, you think about Ron Carragher, they all have a little different flavor, a little different spice. I know, um, you know, Sark sat down in my in my living room and just, you know, connected with me immediately. It was just a high energy, um, sparky, offensive genius. And, you know, transitioning three years later into Coach Chris Peterson, who was kind of a CEO, um, hands-on everything, you know, just kind of, you know, a true manager when it came to just understanding every nuance in the program. And then Carrier kind of being a, you know, older, uh, much wiser uh, coach in terms of just years around the game, um, years of life, right? And just three different perspectives, young CEO, and then just a wisdom guy. So I think between all three of those guys, um, I was able to kind of pluck a lot of different things from all three of them, you know, just kind of, you know, bringing a spark of energy towards, you know, your program. And then, you know, from Coach Chris Peterson having, having insight to everything that's taking place in the program, right? And then the last thing is just sharing my wisdom of, you know, all the trials and tribulations that I've had with the kids. And so, you know, just trying to, just trying to, trying to be unique, trying to be authentic, but be authentic to who I am, you know, take pieces from there, but, you know, ultimately form a program and a vision that's unique to what, what I want, you know, what aligns with me and the coaches and what we think we can do with the program. Do you think that having those three coaching staffs that, like you say, were like Sark, Pete, and then uh, Ron over at, at San Jose State, do you, do you think, as you described them being quite different, do you think that kind of gave you the confidence to see seeing people really be who they are to kind of just be like, all right, well, this is who I am and yeah. bring that to the table? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think about it too, right? I think about just kind of you know, your starting foundation, right? And I've seen, you know, you think about Sark when he first got the job at, at UW. He's, you know, first-time head coach, young guy. Um, you see Coach Chris Peterson, who's seasoned in that role. And then you see Ron Carragher, who's kind of not so much seasoned, but is seasoned in a way. Um, but they all changed throughout the years. And that's something I knew, you know, I, was, I came in with a vision in 2019. It looks a lot different now. Um, and just, you know, me as a coach, I'm different now. Like I've, you know, some of the things that I didn't think about um, in 2009, just because I didn't have that much experience. Those are things that, you know, I'm able to kind of tackle and address now. And, you know, staff management, you get better at that. And then obviously you get better at the X's and O's and understand the game that way. Um, but then also, you, you know, there's a lot of stuff outside of coaching that people don't, you know, realize takes place, you know, in the, in the high school level, right? Um, just coming up with efficient ways to, to manage all the off the field stuff like administration, teachers, right? Um, study halls, weight room programs, jersey washing, all, locker room maintenance, all that stuff that, you know, you know, big time college programs don't have to worry about. Yeah, for sure. You gotta, you gotta kind of roll up your sleeves a little bit in the high school level and, and get your hands dirty a little bit. So, you know, chasing kids around the hallway, making sure they're at class and all that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been it's been definitely a pretty cool to kind of just see how, you know, I'm talking to kids and when I'm when I'm having conversations with them, reflect back. Man, I remember a time when, you know, Sark said something like this to me or Chris, Coach Peterson said something like this to me, you know, and it's, you know, it's one of some of those moments where you reflect and say I'm thankful for those coaches. For sure, yeah. Do you think um, that actually kind of leads into one thing I was wondering is 
I mean, recruiting, I feel like, you know, has changed massively since, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like 10 years is that long of a time. But when I look at like, like when I was in high school, like, you know, around when you were in high school and then the people who I knew who were kind of getting recruited, it was totally just the scale was not even remotely close to how crazy it is now. What do, I mean, you obviously can see that on a way more intimate scale and just are so much more, you know, in touch with that. What, what do you think is the most significant thing that has changed just as far as that, that evolution from your experience being recruited to what you see with, with high school kids who might be going through that now? Well, the first big thing is social media. Um, you know, when I was coming out in 2010, it wasn't, it, it wasn't nearly as big as it is now, right? We're, we were walking around with chirp phones at that time, um, you know, and which kind of the mainstream of communication was uh, MySpace and Facebook was kind of <laughs> surfacing. Um, but with Twitter and Instagram and, and all these different sources, um, I, I, I joke with my brother and, and some of my old teammates all the time, if we had access to Twitter like we had now, we were four-star athletes, we might've been five stars, you know, just kind of with, with the different avenues to different reporters and the retweets of articles and the retweets of, um, of a big play, you know, or a highlight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that's definitely changed the landscape, right? Because now coaches have uh, a whole lot of access to a whole lot of information, a whole lot of guys. Um, so nine times out of 10, you know, with social media going on right now, I think guys are getting evaluated and don't even know it. But, you know, in terms of just kind of where it's at now, I think the game's changed a little bit um, from when I came out. I think now it's, it's, it's kind of turned into a game of space. And so... Mm-hmm. Looking at those guys who move who move well in 707s, looking at those guys who come out to camps and can perform in front of coaches and get a true evaluation. Um, the days of the days of kind of staying in school and, and hoping that coaches kind of just pop in your campus right. are long gone, right? And um, you know, you got to be active in your recruiting. And you know, unless you're you're standing six six and you can run four, four <laughs> seven, um, that's easy to find. But um, if you're one of those kind of those guys that's, you know, been in the bushes, go to a smaller school. You got to, you got to be active in, in, in your own recruiting process. You got to get out, you got to get in front of coaches and you got to do your due diligence with that. But it's definitely changed with the landscape of social media. Um, before I pass it on to Andrew again, do you think with, with Highline being, you know, not like a traditional powerhouse or place where like, you know, coaches from USC in the past weren't like making it a habit to go, you know, from UW and, and, and USC and Oregon and Oklahoma weren't, weren't like, all right, this is my must-stop destination. Do you, do you have any role in kind of advising players that, that you coach because they're kind of, you know, they're on an up and coming program, but they're still on a, a under the radar relatively program? Absolutely. And I, and, and I tell them, I tell, I tell my kids, right. And I've seen a transition my first year there, hardly any of my guys wanted to go play football at the next level. So mm-hmm. made my job easy. I'm like, okay, they just want to, <laughs> they just want to just have a good high school experience. And I said, oh, you know what, I'll provide you that. Um, but now as you kind of, you know, you win a division, now guys start to start to see the stuff on social media. Right. And they start to play the, the, the arms race, like, Oh, coach, like I'm just as good as him. And they start to say, I want to go here. Um, and so it's really kind of slow cooking. Hey, there's a lot of, uh, if you want to play football, there's a lot of opportunities out there for you to play football. Everybody's not a D1 power five guy. Um, you know, we got a roster of 48 and, you know, everybody on that, as much as we would like to, and everybody wants to think they're D1, all 48 of my players can't go, 
Power Five D one. But there's there's probably a D two out there, NAIA, um, a D one AA, FCS school. Um, um, and some guys, you know, the reality of it is some guys gonna have to go to junior college route. Um, you know, I had a great quarterback last year who stood six six and he was two hundred twenty five pounds and he can throw the ball and. You know, he played he he played his junior year at linebacker and then wanted to play quarterback and got with a trainer and um, got hit with the COVID season. You know, and I thought if he had, you know, a, a true, true senior season to kind of show off what he can do, he probably would have, you know, probably could have dropped into a D1 AA or um, something of that nature, but had to go JC, you know, and he's going to be in JC for the next year. But um, those are cases like that. And then I got guys now. I actually do have some talented um, guys in 2024 class and 2023 class. I got five guys that I think um, can really go do something special, you know, in a four-year university when it's time, when the time comes. That is, yeah, I do really like that. Cause that's, that's such an interesting evolution of uh, seeing the evolution of a program and the evolution of kind of how the kids inside that program react and and how how their perception and their experiences is is pretty cool but um i'll i'll let let andrew ask some questions because i've been hogging it a bit but well you were talking about your experience going through that uh recruiting pipeline you know, you know having sark on your living room couch and everything uh you know lived a whole lifetime since then it's been a long strange trip you know mm -hmm. uh but just taking it back to that time i know you probably get tired of talking about uh the knee injuries but it's, it's a very unique story. I mean, there can't be too many people who have come back from three ACL tears and come back and actually had a, a real career and played and, and kind of left their mark on the game after that. I'm just interested in kind of the, the psychological evolution going through all those rehabs. Like, what was your mindset? How was it different from the first injury as that happened to when you're coming back, go through the rehab, get hurt again, go through the rehab, get hurt again, go through the rehab, and you're finally ready to come back and get on the field and what what was the the psychological change over that period of time I think you know I learned a lot about myself um you know first I think the biggest thing for me um it's 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 kind of trying, trying, trying to kind of you know equate this to playing a team and you quickly go down by 21 and you look up and you're like what happened right um you know I've been playing football since I was eight years old up until that point and never had any um, injury that caused me to set off from a practice or a game. Um, and so to go through that for playing after playing football so long, kind of believing in the harder I work, you know, less likely I am to get hurt um, and just kind of living by that. And then getting hurt, it was kind of a, uh, a shock to me because I'm like, man, I've poured so much into this. I've, I've, I've dedicated so much to my body. Um, I, I work everybody and, you know, my body just kind of, you know, just uncontrollable, um, you know, I didn't even know what an ACL was at the time that I tore my ACL. So it was more so just shock, disbelief. Um, you know, I soaked for quite some time and then, you know, got back on the horse. And luckily at the time I had really, really supportive people. My running back coach, he met me um, outside of surgery, Coach Thomas. You know, I had my dad in my life at the time who was really, really, really encouraging. Um, and then I had a great support staff at UW, you know, my trainer, Darren. Um, you know, those guys really, really encouraged me. And then Coach Sark was you know, one thing I really love about him, and um, I'm always going to be indebted for him for this, but Coach Sark treated me um, like I was on my recruiting trip every single day of my injury. And, um, you know, this game is such a big business that that can get lost sometimes into in the shuffle, right? What have you done for me lately can sometimes be the motto. And um, he made me feel like a king every day. And, you know, I'm always grateful and thankful to him. But, you know, just just in terms of 
you know, my mindset attacking the process was more so, hey, hard work pays off. That was just kind of my, my thought process the entire time. Like I know, I know there's light at the end of this tunnel. I know there's light at the end of this tunnel. Um, you know, if there's some things I can go back and do differently, certainly, you know, after living five years after that, six years after that there's there's a lot of things that I could do differently to kind of help myself and put myself in better position not to go through as many ACL injuries but you know again you gotta you gotta you live through trial and error sometimes yeah I now I I might be misremembering this I think I remember it right I think it was 2013 Boise State game was that the first game you actually got on the field I, I I might not be remembering this right but I think being at that game you returned a kickoff early in the game and it was before they had announced anything on the loudspeaker. And I did that thing where when you're in the stands, you may not even have this experience, but you see a number you're not used to seeing on the field. And yeah. you think to yourself like, wait a minute, that's not who I, the number I was expecting to see right there. And it dawned on me who was returning the kick. And it, I mean, that's the kind of feeling at a sporting event that like, you know, it's like, you know, your team winning the Super Bowl or something where you just see somebody, who's been through so much, like, I would not have guessed. I didn't know if I was, you know, any of us were ever going to see you on the field, but like mm-hmm. knowing what you had to go through, I might not have the exact play, right? I think that's what happened, but tell me about like what was going through your mind when you finally like touched the ball on the field in a real game at Husky stadium. Yeah, no, it was a, it was definitely. So I, I remember like it was yesterday it was a, a outside zone call. Um, and, uh, you know, I never Keith Price like Coopty, let's go Coopty, um, handing me the ball off. You know, I was just so excited. You know, I, I scrapped all my rules. Um, you know, reading the defensive end if if he if he gets upfield, you know, cut up. If he if he gets reached, continue to continue to stay on your track. You know, I just scrapped all my rules. I was so excited. You know, three years back, I was antsy. Uh, I think I got what like a two three yard gain, um, but. It uh, could have been more, but I was just so excited and was just like, man, like the moment felt so good, you know, just to kind of, you know, go through all that I went through and finally get back. It was more of like a, a hurdle was off my back, like, OK, we're, we're good to go. Now we can, can now we can work to, you know, compete, you know, the right way and we can put all that stuff behind me. Andrew, do you have a. You look like you no, might I, well, I know, Gabe, you were you had mentioned something before about uh, kind of the role of the strength and conditioning coach. I, I feel like that kind of ties in here, too, if you want to uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I was just wondering, because um, I mean, a you know, when you're going through those sorts of injuries like that and that are really long rehabs, you know, that's that's a huge part of it. But um, between that and then also um, it feels like the philosophy behind strength and conditioning has changed a lot in the last, you know, whether you want to say 10 years, probably 20, definitely, you know, the last 20, 25 years where, you know, across many sports, it feels like to me in the past, it used to be about like, Hey, who can get the most yoked. (laughs) And, and I feel like the approach now seems to be a lot more um, about like mobility, injury prevention, like the flexibility, putting yourself in a position where, you know, maybe you're not, uh, (laughs) like maybe you're not going to be a gigantic 250 pound a gap to a gap linebacker but you're probably going to be better suited do you do what do you have to say as far as you know is that right or what what do you feel like is the um how that's changed yeah you're spot on you know (laughs) about just kind of you know the game and where it's at now a lot of coaches are focused on you know mobility 
um, you know, you know, hip movement, all, all these things that make you a better athlete in space, all these things that make you um, able to sustain a long season and keep your body feeling um, fresh. Sometimes I think what, what strength coaches are realizing now, and I can't speak for everyone, but I know for me going through that process, less was more. Um, and sometimes, you know, just, you know, getting on there and kind of activating some, you know, quick twitch muscles and, you know, um, putting less weight on there, but more so kind of getting those butt muscles, those knee muscles, maybe some of the, the muscles that we don't think about to fire and, and kick off and activate those. Uh, that's efficient, right? And versus loading up the bar with all this weight, and, yeah. you know, um, killing yourself and not really, not really developing range of motion. Um, so I, I think, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of coaches, um, in the strength and conditioning world, and even, and, you know, football coaches are really focused on that mobility. I mean, I think about linemen and, you know, the position that those linebackers play, they're looking for good knee benders, right. Who can fire out of their hips and explode, but also who can run in space and cover, cover, uh, running back side of the backfield. And then also can move over to the slot and maybe cover a slot receiver or a tight end. And those tight ends, they're getting bigger and more athletic. So, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a different game than you know two thousand from that two thousand five two thousand ten right. Wisconsin ball and Stanford just a b gap c gap power. Um, it's definitely not that anymore. Yeah, that um, I I totally feel that. I feel like you just all of us like in our everyday life. There's those little mini muscles make such a huge difference, and and that mobility and like you really don't realize it until all of a sudden you have to activate them. Like for me, it was like ice skating. Like I didn't go ice skating or play hockey at all during the like COVID. And then I got back on and was like, Holy crap. <laughs> like my ankles don't exist. Like my feet don't exist Those little things. But um, just to just a very simple question. What do you think makes a good, like a, a really good strength and conditioning staff? Cause they spend so much time with players. Right. What do you think separates the really good ones from, you know, everyone else? You know, I've, I've had a lot. And I think, you know, I had a good one with Coach Ivan um, Lewis, um, Coach Tyson Brown, um, Coach Saha. And I think one thing that really, you know, really stood out about all those guys was just their attention to detail and what they were trying to get done, you know. And, and it's, again, when Coach Ivan Lewis was our strength coach, it was a different time period. And then when Coach Saha was our strength coach, it was a different it was a different time period. So, Coach Coach Ivan, and again understanding the team that he had inherited, um, was trying to develop a faster, a more faster team. Um, wanted to get those guys being able to move. Where then I noticed Saha was a, a big leg. We're not trying to get pretty. We want to. We're, we're trying to develop football players in here. So you got a front squad, and you know we got to we got to get you under the bar and. You know, one, one thing I could appreciate about Saha was when, when he first got there, I felt like I was handcuffed a lot, right? Everybody was like, oh, he had three three knee injuries, so we got we to gotta baby him. Saha was like, no way. Coop, let's go. And so I kind of, I, I really loved and gravitated to that because, you know, as a guy who, you know, believed in working hard, you know, a guy that says, no, you know, if he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt, but we got to, we got to, we got to take the training wheels off and go. So for him to push me and, and come in with that mindset was definitely helpful, but get back to your question I think I think the difference between um a, a really I think the difference between a really good strength coach and you know one some of the average ones are a strength coach coming in assessing the situation assessing the roster okay what 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 do we need to get done on this roster and then making a plan from there I think too many times you see guys have success with something maybe at another school 
and try and bring that philosophy um, into a school that may, you know, maybe, you know, created differently in terms of just the makeup of the roster. Um, so I think between Ivan and, and, and Coach Saha, I think they both did a good job of coming in, first evaluating the, the roster and then putting together a program on, you know, what's best for this program's, um, you know, success. Any of them ever work until you barfed? <laughs> you know what? I never actually, never actually had a, a, a strength coach that did that. But I'll tell you, I had a trainer um, when I got done with uh, when I got done with college, who was trying to who was preparing me for my my short cup of coffee, Oakland Raiders run. Um, Lim Adams down in Gainesville, Sacramento, and I kid you not, the first time I worked out with him, um, he had me outside of the outside of the facility throwing up in the grass. And I, <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the trainer I need to be the rest of my life. And um, you know, and 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 thinking about him, right? It's like when I was telling, I was telling Andrews, if I can go back and do some things differently, you know, yoga, you know, it's funny as you you come into came in as a as a little 17-year-old graduated high school early into this college world, you know, masculine and you know, thought I was a tough guy. And, you know, you kind of look at yoga and you're like, this is for this isn't this isn't for football players to be in here doing yoga. And then, you know, you have a trainer six years later who's, you know, dedicated just to making sure that you're 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 the best athlete you can be. You're going to yoga three days a week and just seeing how much better and how much better that made me felt in my legs. And just, you know, in general, in terms of the core, in terms of little muscles that you're, you're developing when you're holding poses. Um, that's just something I wish I would incorporate in my game you know, from, from the get-go. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was doing yoga and Pilates in like 1974 or something. And he played till he was like, you know, 45 years old in the NBA. So like, I, I think it, it, it's like healing. It, it doesn't just strengthen you. It, it evens you out. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to uh, change gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about uh, when you headed down the road to San Jose state, uh, graduate transfer. I mean, I, I think this is one of those situations where everybody in Seattle was cheering for you. And like very happy to see you get an opportunity to be more of the the uh, lead back for a, a team uh, right. after all the work that you put in. I think what seven years after you ended up enrolling in college, um, can you talk a little bit about what in what kind of that thought process went into making the decision to head down there and and looking back on it, how you feel about the time that you spent there and the the role you had on that team and what you got out of it. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the first thing I'll say was San Jose was really great. You know, gave me what I wanted um you know what I thought I wanted at the time right and you know they treated me like royalty you know whenever you get a guy that transfers from a you know higher school and he comes down you know you kind of already kind of come in um you know they made me work for the position but you kind of come in with all eyes on you a whole lot of support luckily for me I had guys who were at Washington who were GAs at the time um before I left a couple years back but uh, it was a good experience. I don't know. I think, you know, kind of what led up to the, 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 the move was just, you know, a young, a young guy that was kind of just misguided at the time. I think, you know, I lost my dad that same year, um, you know, was, you know, not seeing, not seeing the results that I wanted. You know, you just leave, right? You just, you just, you just want more, you know, you want, you, you got goals of your own. But at the same time, like looking back at it now, you know, the mature mind I was, I, I have now. I would have reevaluated, you know, if I go back and look at the situation, you know, I was a third down back, you know, I was a captain and I, and I played every game. I probably didn't get the 20 carries that I wanted or anything like that, but 
you know, at the same time, when you go back and just kind of truly assess the situation, I was in a good situation. And I think, um, you know, just some of the, some of the things that, you know, was going through at that time, not really having that voice in my head saying, you know what, keep competing, keep competing. Um, and then also just trying to get back to California, get, get, get closer to home. It was just, thought it'd be a good fit. thought it'd be fresh start. Uh, but if I could go back again, you know, if I could talk to any guy with one year left in, in, in their time in, in college, I would say ride it out, you know, and, and, and do that the right way. But I do, you know, I'm a big, big relationship guy. So I did enjoy going down there, making new relationships with those guys down there and, and those coaches. And, you know, the tough thing that hit me was when I left Washington, I left a lot of good relationships in that locker room, right? And, um, you know, it's just so hard to pick up and, and create a bond in three months with the, with the, with the new roster like you that was substituted a, a relationship that you made with guys for four to five years. So it was, it was, it was different. But it was also exciting and it, it was it was fun. If you're trying to get in touch with everybody who's thinking about transferring now, you're gonna have to get like a couple more phones to stay on the line with everybody because it's like <laughs> oh, man. more transfers than there are football players. Right? And that's a and that's a crazy thing too. That's another thing that's trains, right? Like when I was coming out, you didn't have a transfer portal. Um uh, but you know, it's it's you know, one of those things I, I'll say is it's it's the grass isn't always greener. Um you know, sometimes, you know, you, you get to a school and you realize, okay, this this wasn't a good fit. But if you're going to transfer, you, you want to do that early rather than later. Yeah. I mean, nobody asked me, but I'm all for the player having the right to do it. Doesn't mean it's that was the right decision to do it at the time. And you probably appreciate that more as time goes on. What was it that you, you went Southern California to Seattle, Northern California, back to Seattle? What was it that brought you back to Seattle after your year at San Jose State and a little bit of time? you know, dipping your toe in the professional water? You know what it was? It was really just the the, the, the community and the network here at UW. I think, you know, I it felt like I was in, in, in the University of Washington forever. So um, the relationships that I had made just kind of, it, it felt like home, you know, even when I was packing up and leaving Washington, it felt like I was uh, breaking up with a girlfriend that I didn't want to break up with. And it was just kind of, it was tough. Like as you kind of drive through, that I-5 South heading down, it was just, you know, tears, tears as, as you kind of drive by, just looking like, man, I'm really leaving all this. And so, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I knew, I knew I wanted to be here when it was all said and done. I knew I wanted to live in Seattle. You know, there's no better place in the world that takes better care of their Huskies than, than the Husky community. So um, you back here in front of people that I, I, I'm familiar with, be back here with people that get it, that understand Husky football, that are passionate about it, that, that live in this community, you know, it was, it was, it was a no brainer, but then also, you know, excited and eager to be a part of that one day, right. To, to be one of those guys that can reach back into the program um, and touch a guy and, and mentor a guy and, and give back like the program gave to me. Well, as long as you're thinking about your relationship, you still have with the program. Yeah. Let's hold on to that for a second. Cause we're going to take a quick break. I do want to ask you about that as soon as we get back. So stick with us and we're going to talk a little bit about the current, Husky program when we come back. Let's do it. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. As promised, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the current Husky football team with Deontay Cooper still with us. Uh, we're, we're back now in Seattle. We've come around San Jose, Oakland, back to Seattle, coaching at Highline High School. 
do you still follow the the current program closely? Do you have have you had a chance to interact with the new staff at all? And and, and what kind of thing do you expect? Like both from your personal perspective, the uh, interactions you plan on having with them going forward, but also just what's your excitement level for this team uh, over the next couple of years as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm gonna t- I'll tell you like this. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be down there. I'm gonna be in the building, walking the halls. Um, you know, you know, you know, uh, shaking hands, kissing babies, all the things that I love to do. So building relationships with those coaches, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think, you know, it, it's, it's first and foremost, it's never it's never easy to see a guy that, you know, that coached the time that you were there leave and and, um, and go the way that Coach Lake did. But um, I know that, you know, Jen's going to make sure that this program is set up for success and. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Coach DeBoer to, to, to see what he can do and see how he can kind of bring us back in, into, you know, um, competing contentions with, you know, within the Pac-12. So I'm really excited. I think, you know, we, we, we got some, some key plugs in, that I think will help us. I think, you know, keeping Justin Glenn in there and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we got a staff that's, that's coming from success in NAIA level and then has some success in, in – in the Mount West. So, you know, we, we, we got to see, I know I'm excited. It's like, it's like a kid at, at the candy store when, you know, you, you get a new toy. And so you get to kind of see how that toy performs and you don't know what that toy is like until you pull it out of the package. And so uh, we're going to be pulling, we, they're going to be pulling themselves out of the package here in about a couple months of spring. And then, you know, we're going to test drive and kind of watch, you know, what they're all about here soon. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that, but I'm excited and can't wait to see what, what they're all about. Um, obviously, uh, DeBoer and, and most, like he obviously became head coach at Fresno after you were done at San Jose state, but the previous staff with Tedford, oh shoot, wait, did you guys, did you overlap with Tedford? I did in the not. Were you one year apart? One year apart. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> I was going to have a good question for that. <laughs> yeah. But are there, are there any other though, like players or, or coaches, either players on the current roster or, or, uh coaches if you know if you know any of them who are you're particularly excited to to watch going forward um players you know I think I think I'm really really excited to watch you know obviously a running back I'm really really excited to watch those running backs um um JV on Sunday I think I'm saying that right um but I'm really excited to watch him I know when I watched him last year uh you know he runs with a lot of explosiveness runs with a lot of power um, looks like he's getting electrocuted as he runs. And that's, I mean, that as a compliment, right. And, you know, look out for the guy who's colliding with him. Um, Newton is another guy I'm excited about. No, he's banged up um, part of the season, but I'm excited about him. Um, also excited about this quarterback competition that's going to happen. Right. I know, I know a lot of, a lot of people have their own opinions on it, but you got to roll the ball out and, for, and those guys got to compete. You know, I know, you know, Dylan Morris didn't have probably the showing that fans want him to have, but excited to see what he looks like coming off of off season of, you know, doing a lot of the reading out there of what's on Twitter and seeing how he responds to that. And then also Sam Ewart, seeing what he's all about, you know, you know, he's got a lot and kind of, kind of reminds me of that Nick Montana, uh, Nick Montana era when I came in and Nick Montana came in and, you know, Joe Montana's son. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. And then obviously when, when, uh, when a coach brings in a transfer that they're familiar with, you know, they're bringing him in for a reason. So I'm excited to see what that, how that shakes out. Um, then ultimately, I want to see how that kind of the offensive line responds. You know, I know we came into the season with with a heavy emphasis on the return offensive line. I'm kind of excited to see how they respond. And uh, you know, there's the, the, I can go on and on down the list. 
really excited to just kind of see what that what that DB development looks like now with with new faces. I know you know Lake had a longstanding success with DBs and, and getting them out, so I'm looking to see what we do there. And then you know that front seven. I mean, I think I think anybody will tell you, you know, to win championships, it starts. You got to win championships with defense and. I think that's going to be a priority. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, there's a reason why they're paying the board of big bucks to to be in that seat. So I know he's got all this stuff kind of mapped out and, and he's got a roadmap to success. So I'm excited to see it, though. I love the description of JV on Sunday. I mean, we probably spent half an hour on this podcast over the last year and a half trying to describe what it looks like when he runs. But I don't think we ever got exactly looks like he's being electrocuted when he runs. That's yeah. exactly right. Yep. He, he he's so funny because he looked the when you watch him run i remember the first time i saw his high school tape and i was like you look like you're running the wrong way but it's working so well that i'm not like i'm not i don't want to touch that it looks so weird but it's so fun to watch like he's in fast forward and everybody else is in regular speed <laughs> yeah all right we're gonna take a little bit of time i mentioned to you earlier we'd like to uh give either some recommendations or some plugs at the end of the uh, show you may not know Gaby uh, does some stand-up dates around Seattle uh, I don't know if those are even happening right now so I'd like to give an opportunity to shout those out when they are happening uh, otherwise any recommendations or anything you want to um, throw out there Gaby go first and I'll give Deontay a minute to think about it in case he doesn't have anything top of the mind uh, fair enough uh, I actually do have a show on Friday uh, I'm doing like 20 minutes up in Bellingham but I think it's sold out so Sorry, everybody. Um, but as far as shows, um, I finally got around to watching the only murders in the building, um, which is Martin Short, Steve Martin and Selena Gomez, which is a very weird combination of people. And it's just but it's a uh, actually you might have mentioned it in the past. Have you? No, I've never no, watched you it. Haven't? OK, I did um, hear something funny recently that uh, Steve Martin, when he meets people, hands out a business card that he signed and it says, I had this card certifies that I had the pleasure of meeting Steve Martin. He was gracious, <laughs> funny, and altogether a wonderful person to meet. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting kind of funky little concept for a show. It's like these three people who live in the same apartment building where there's a murder and or, or suicide, like it's real suicide at first, of course. Um, they're all like fanatics of true crime. So they start this true crime podcast because they're convinced it's a murder and not a suicide. Um, so like seeing Selena Gomez solve crimes and it's like, it's a comedy, but um, it's, it's pretty interesting and has a lot of stuff, interesting stuff going on and is just charming. It's also the first time I've seen Martin Short where he doesn't freak me out because my first as a, as a child slash preteen, my experiences with him was uh in arrested development where he played the bodybuilder whose legs gave out <laughs> like the really old man bodybuilder who had to be carried around by that uh like other bodybuilder um and then in 30 rock where he played like the inbred Habsburg king <laughs> who like was just really messed up so uh so yeah it's i recommend it um only murders in the building i think it, yeah it's hulu um if you're in the mood for a true crime parody kind of uh, recommend anything you want to throw out there Deontay yeah I mean I got I, I you know I got a couple I'm a I'm a junkie on um, historical war films um, you know uh, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with The Last Kingdom but I'm big on that show it's kind of a, a British historical film of a Saxon series um, similar to kind of like the Game of Thrones um, fan of that 
you know, so I, I'm big on that, but I think there, there's one that's really got my attention. 50 Cent, um, the rapper, he's turned into a producer and he's been producing these shows and it's, you know, with Ghost and Power and BMF and um, there's another one, uh, the ABC series, I can't think of the name, but anywho, he's producing all these different shows and he's got me hooked and it's like, I'm just, I'm, you know, he'll give us 10 episodes and he'll sit us on a break for three months and then release another season. And I'm just kind of like, come on, chomping at the bit. These, these <laughs> release faster. So if you guys got a chance, check out Power, um, you know, catch up on that, catch up on Ghost. Um, and then there's a BMF series that he has as well. And so, yeah, that's that, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm on in the season. An episode comes out on Saturday at midnight Eastern time. If you guys are up on, on uh, stars. I love that he went from rapper to vitamin water to like network tv producer it's a one-of-a-kind career trajectory i'm gonna put out a tv show too just finished watching station 11 it was a like a series on hbo uh is about like uh is based on a book that i might have mentioned on this podcast a couple years ago about a post-pandemic world slightly different than our pandemic world but it's a pandemic that kills like 85 or 90 percent of the people in the world and it's set five to 10 years in the future. And there's this group that's touring around Lake Michigan doing Shakespeare plays and trying to survive all the crazy stuff that's happening around them. And it's, I mean, kind of about like the psychology of the people in this world that's totally broken down and, you know, believe it or not, see a lot of familiarity in it. <laughs> um, I think I might've actually uh, plugged that like the like two years ago. Cause I remember I was in a book club for a little bit at the beginning of <laughs> the beginning of uh the pandemic with some other comics and that was like the first book we read and i've been wanting to watch the show but i also have been not want to wanting to watch the show because i'm like i don't know if i can go through that again <laughs> yeah it's very different but it's good she had another book i read called uh the glass hotel which i liked even better than that book if you're you like what she read anyway let's leave it at that uh Deontay, any final thoughts before we we head out best of luck to you and the pirates in the coming season and getting ready for the new season over the summer. Thanks again for spending a little bit of time with us talking Husky football. Love to stay in touch. Hopefully we can get an update on Highline come the fall and you can, you know, just absolutely steamroll the rest of uh, King Code 2A division, get uh, a second title. This one, not 65 years after the last one. Right. Any, anything, any final closing thoughts you want to leave us with or inspirational words for your players? Yeah, you know, uh, th first, thank you, uh, Andrew and Gabby, for having me and, and Colin for getting this thing going. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, you know, whenever we can kind of come together and, you know, give shed some light on highline football, talk a little bit about uh, Husky football, it's always a good time. But, you know, I'll leave you one thing. You know, I, I hit my kids with this every morning. Um, I stole this from one of my Peloton rides, um, and I thought it was just amazing. But um, it helps you kind of reset, recenter, refocus. Um, I always say, you guys ready? And I like, I'll wait for this dramatic pause. And I say, inhale. And as they inhale, I say, inhale positivity. And then I say, exhale doubt. So it's a, and then we just, we attack the day. And I said, let's go to work. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, I did that one time and I'm like, oh my God, why do I feel so good? And so, so that's one thing I'll, I'll say, in, inhale positivity, exhale doubt. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, negativity, you know, that can slow you down. But if you stand positive and encouraged and, put one foot in front of the other, um, anything could be possible. I love That's that. way better sign off than when, anything we ever used. We, no. we do call ourselves the official podcast of the Cody Pickett fan club. We 
Uh, Cody had a heart surgery at UW Medical Center a few weeks ago, so we would definitely need to wish him well. Uh, Husky legend, another one. Hopefully he's do doing well over in his home uh, and, you know, recovering from the surgery well. But everybody else, thanks for listening. Thanks again, Deontay. Gaby, anything you want to leave us with? Um, see, this is a terrible way to end it because my answer is no. <laughs> Inhale, positivity, yeah. exhale, doubt. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go dogs. Go, Go dogs. dogs.